episode of the BAT Podcast. I'm here at BAT HQ with Zach. Zach, what's going on? Hey, man. Good to be back. And we got Alex Porter joining us today. Alex is the director of auction production. He heads up the whole team of men and women that produce all the auction listings, writing and editing and everything under that roof. Alex, haven't seen you in since what, March 10th? 15 months, 16 months, something like that. Yeah, we shut down March 10th. The office shut down, I think, March 10th of last year. So really exciting to be here with you guys. I've really been enjoying the podcast. So it's an honor to uh, to be invited on, uh, but also good to see Howard. Zach and I have had a, a couple of fun adventures over the last few years in cars, but good to see you and good to be with you. Oh, so this is the same digital chair that Jay Leno sat in just the other week. Amazing. Yeah, this is huge, Alex. You're coming uh, in the draft of Leno. That's, uh, that's big shoes to fill. I know. Nothing will make me feel less important than hearing that. Yeah, totally. There's no way I can fill those shoes oh. at all. Um, but that's okay. Uh, I did, uh, we're, you know, my family is uh, kind of acquaintances with Leno, and I went to see his cars as a teenager when I was 13 years old in the mid-90s, back when uh, his collection, though not humble, was more humble than it is now. So um, he's... Uh, an amazing collector. I hear you're whipping pedal cars around in that. That's exactly house. right. Uh, as I recall, now I'm just turned 38 years old. So uh, I was 13, I think, at the time. And he had uh, like a little miniature E-type thing that Debbie Reynolds had given him, as I recall. And it yes. had a two-speed manual transmission and probably like a lawnmower engine in the back. And he like pulled the ripcord himself and offered to let me drive around. I was driving it around in between his Duesenbergs and his, uh, in his hangar there back in the mid nineties. Wow. Alex, why did we wait 22 episodes to finally bring you on this thing? <laughs> this is great. Uh, he'd also just bought the Walker coupe, an amazing, uh, Duesenberg. Uh, I hope we get to talk Duesenbergs a little bit today. Uh, love those cars. So, uh, so what 20 years ago or, uh, eight, no, 25 years 25 ago, years what ago. your, your, your dad, uh, and you whipped down from, from slow to, to Burbank and, or was was Leno at Burbank then, or he was uh, yeah, Bur- else? Burbank Airport, same facility. I think it was one hangar back then. I think he has multiple now. I've been back a few times since, although not maybe in ten plus years. But um, God, no, I was thirteen, so I still lived out in the desert. Uh, my dad and him had a mutual acquaintance, a guy who did um, uh, restorations on kind of horseless carriages, Stanley steamers, uh, brass era cars. Uh, who had done an upholster, who had done upholstery on a couple of Leno's cars. Uh, my dad had a Vincent motorcycle, Leno, a prolific Vincent collector. So he hooked the two of them up and, uh, and uh, I got the chance there as a teenager to go see those cars. He had the Shogun back then. He had the McLaren back then. Nice. Some of the cars that are kind of iconic and a bunch of Duesenbergs. Um, uh, it was amazing. I mean, as a 13 year old, and that was when, you know, kind of like tonight show glory. That was like when he was like the man. That was the Vincent your dad sold on BAT, right? Same one? Well, sold. That was the uh, Vincent that my dad uh, failed to sell on the trailer, yeah. but did auction on Bring hey, he knew He knew what it was worth. He didn't have to sell it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. First Vincent on Bring a Trailer, I'm very, very proud of that. That was a, a project bike that my dad, my whole youth, my whole life that he'd never put together was in boxes. And then finally got it put together, threw it on Bring a Trailer, and didn't sell it. But it has now been sold. So, yeah, I think uh, audience would love to hear, Alex, about what you do. This is actually significant. The three of us are sitting here, not only because uh, we haven't all been together in the same room in, in 16 months, but uh, back in er- the early days of BAT, this this was the OG crew. Uh, once upon a time, it was uh, just the three of us and Randy sitting at the old BAT office, uh, cranking out the uh, 
at the time, much smaller uh, weekly auction menu. So now we're here, same number, same hood, still the three of us. <laughs> no longer working our away. personal MacBooks, thankfully. That's right. That's right. Some, some company uh, supplied equipment. I, uh, I miss those days a lot. I think about them a lot. It was uh, amazing for me. Um, it was basically like a stay-at-home dad, and uh, I was reading Bring a Trailer all the time. And to, but I, I, for, the, for the listeners out there, the viewers, I applied for both Zach and Howard's jobs. Uh, and lucky for Bring a Trailer, I did not get those. But I kept, uh, kept applying and um, finally, got, finally got that job that, uh, let's see, when was that? May of 2016? I remember when Randy yeah. called you to deliver the news. I think you remember in Vegas, and I, I, I could. You, you were probably uh, maybe I'd stayed out uh, a little late the night before, but uh, I expected your voice to be a lot more hoarse when I met was, you in person after that. It sounded like a, a muted excitement, is how I would describe your reaction. I was extremely excited to get the call. A little bit embarrassed and chagrined that Randy was calling me in the uh, in the state that I was in, 10 a.m. on a on a morning in my Vegas hotel room. But really exciting to get the news nonetheless. And that was then, this is now. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, older and wiser. Still like Las Vegas, still like to go there, still like to, uh, to, uh, to have a few drinks when I'm there. But um, it's been an amazing ride. And, you know, back when I started in 2016, uh, I was hired, I guess, to, I was editing listings and doing a lot of customer service. I mean, we all wore all the hats back then. And so, to now, five years later, um, be overseeing a team of more than 50 people who are writing the listings um, uh, and are kind of interacting directly with our sellers and making sure they have a great experience and that they're successful and that they get their cars sold. Um, it's been an amazing ride. Incredible. Yeah, thing. going from managing 50 auctions a week to 50 people a week. Pretty incredible transition. I remember Randy being so fired up when we got to 40 a week. He was like visibly and physically excited about that. And now we're 410 X. Why is that number? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's amazing how far it's come. And, uh, yeah, we're lucky to have you at the helm of, uh, of that department, which is, uh, which is so crucial what we're doing every week. Um, we'll have to have you back and, uh, maybe take some audience Q and a for, uh, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of, uh, questions about kind of how the, how the sausage is made, so to speak. Absolutely. I think a lot of people, I read the comments all the time, sometimes take very, very personal offense when people uh, uh, imply that maybe we don't, uh, we don't do our due diligence or that we're not, you know, paying enough uh, attention or, or don't care about what we're doing. I mean, the, the, the group of folks that I work with every day who are working with sellers and who are putting the listings together, they're so passionate. They it's know too so much due diligence. No, just kidding. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, no, I mean, but they, they love cars so much. They know so much. The, the, the kind of combined knowledge of the folks writing the listings um, is like mind blowing. I, I can't believe it. And the, the care that they take and they, the, the, um, the passion they have for making sure that our sellers are successful and informed and, and, I mean, it, it blows my mind every day. And so, um, you know, just hats off to those folks. I, I'm just, uh, it's just an honor to work with them, really. Okay, well, you're one of the top Duesenbergs. Uh, we're talking about all the auction specialists who have to know a thing or two about a thing or two to, to, to actually uh, uh, be in that role. Uh, we just sold for the Indy Motor Speedway Museum uh, a, a 1935 model JN uh, by Rolston Doozy. Uh, Definitely probably my and certainly your favorite pre-war car we've ever sold. 
Uh, I know your dad was was and is a, a big Auburn core Duesenberg gen, uh, and you were raised uh, the same way. So yeah, tell us about tell us about that car and and how fired up you were that we uh, got the opportunity to listen. So fired up, uh, Howard. You are the other kind of pre-war guy. Tell me, do you know the difference between like a regular J and a JN? You know, I more specialize in SJs and SSJs. Okay, gotcha. uh, JN's a bit beneath me. Okay, so JN, uh, there may be some super wonky ACD guy out there who would correct me, but my understanding is that they are the they're the kind of the last Duesenberg. So in the mid '30s, um, you know, to kind of freshen up the the model J. It's the middle of the depression. People aren't you know stoked to buy these expensive cars. So Dust Bowl, go on. Totally, totally. The Jones are coming out, coming out to California from Oklahoma, and then uh, there's El Cord sitting on a bunch of Model J Duesenbergs already built. How do you sell them? Well, uh, the last few they put this kind of more streamlined body on it. You can see that the body work is a little bit so like a lot of. Earlier J's are Murphy body. There's also a bunch of cool like Sowcheck and other bodybuilders did bodies for J's. But Rolston did these these late JNs. They have a little bit more fared in fenders. They've got smaller wheels. I think they're like 17s instead of 19s. It's a it's a J underneath, but the the look of the car is modernized a little bit. And so I think that's the last 10 uh, Model J ch uh, chassis are these JNs. And I actually think they look fantastic. I know the the J with the big cycle fenders is a little bit more classic. Um, and they're fantastic looking cars too, but the, um, I, I think these JNs are, are wonderful. I will actually say, uh, the car, I, this was amazing result. These are super cool cars. I'm, um, I'm a huge model A Duesenberg fan. So that yeah. model A, the only, uh, only other Duesenberg we've ever sold. In right. Fact. That's right. Except we had a model A Duesenberg owner's manual one time, which was also exciting for me to edit way back in the day. Uh, but the uh, that Model A Opera Coupe, also cool. That's pre-Cord acquisition for the Duesenberg Brothers. So that's also a super cool car. I like both of them a lot. I love all that stuff. For me, for design and price point, it's it's an L29 Cord for mm. me. Um, Not a very good car, but a very beautiful car. I think they're so beautiful. I think if this JN Duesenberg is 1.3 million bucks, an L29 Cord for, uh, you know, a fourth or a fifth of price, that'd be my pick. But we could probably dedicate a whole we podcast. We'll have to crack some Sancerre and <laughs> so dedicate one to uh, to ACD and, and the Absolutely. ins and outs. Absolutely, man. I mean, I'm a 810. I, I, you know, I ride or die 810, 812 cord. That's my yeah. jam, right? We had a few of those. Yeah, supercharged, non-supercharged. Gorgeous. Non-supercharged with the pipes. The cord you own is? The cord I own is the world's rattiest 1936 810 Westchester, the kind of original design, no, and, no bustle trunk. Or and where's that car at in process right now? That car is in Southern California, as it has been for many decades. Oh, uh, you own a cord? I don't even know that. Is this you know that? Oh, come on. Oh, yeah. Literally did not know that. Oh, yeah. Discovering it live on the on the cast right now. <laughs> yeah, 1936. For those that are listening, Howard literally has tears in his eyes upon hearing this news. <laughs> well... You don't need to cry. It's shitty. It's a uh, it's a uh, 36 Westchester ancient restoration. Just had the motor taken apart during the pandemic. It had nine cracks in the block. 85 year old motor that had never been rebuilt. So kind of. Are you the youngest out. addition to the Cords Owners Owners Club this year? People sign their kids and grandkids up for the Auburn Gordusenberg Club. So. In spirit, you're not. In spirit, you're probably maybe one of the oldest. But but yeah, in right. numerical age, uh, right. you're young. Yeah, that's no. right. That's right.
That's right. 38 to the new 37. I love all those cars. I'm really hoping my dad is lifelong ACD guy. I'm really hoping to get that car put together and uh, drive it in, drive it in Auburn. Maybe not drive it all the way to Auburn, but drive it around Indiana for the big national. I want to see you drive it in SF. Totally. Totally. Nine cracks in the block, whether it's three or nine, doesn't make a difference. You're going to sleeve that thing or you're going to, you're going to throw it in the junkyard and, 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 and Leno style, just 3d print a whole nother block. Uh, help you out I that. had to get everything new for it. So it's got, new heads which are aluminum on that car um it's got a i'm doing what i can to soup it up can you custom fab the headers what was the story on that uh yeah so it's a weird car it has outside pipes so cords and duesenbergs are famous for their you know outside exhaust pipes that go from the hood into the fender on a duesenberg obviously all on one side but on a cord since it's a v engine instead of an inline eight two on each side and this car, even though it's not supercharged, has the outside pipes uh, like a lot of the supercharged cars had. And so, yeah, I had to do a bunch of work on those. It needed everything, Zach. It needed everything. But we're in the midst of doing that. It's going to be awesome. Uh, have, you, have you driven a Cordero? I have not. Isn't it funny how people used to put, you know, supercharged pipes on a non-supercharged car and that transition to like, you know, people putting a big wing on their Supra or whatever. People people did it better back in the day. Cords did people. It's the, yeah, it's the old modern fake hood scoop, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. The old gold package. It's the, right? it's the air intakes on the 01 Mustang <laughs> rear fenders. I mean, the problem with cords is they're not very good cars. <laughs> so people would, you know, rip the body off. I mean, they're semi unibody. They're really weird. But people would put, you know, put them on rear wheel drive chassis all the time, right? So. That's what happened to a lot of them, which is too bad because I think the front wheel drive weirdo configuration is part of what makes them so cool. But most people are cars drive like. That's right. That's right. But that's part of the romance and the beauty of it, right? I mean, if you can get a it's cord, a if you can get a cord working, it's remarkably modern. It's got a four-speed transmission. It's got hydraulic brakes, right? It's front wheel drive. It rides real nice. It'll easily keep up with, with, uh, with you know, modern traffic on a freeway. So, the key is just getting to work right, especially the weirdo pre-selector uh, transmission. Is it pre-selector? Yeah. 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 It's got, you know, the reason they've got that big, beautiful long hood is the transmission sticks way out of the nose, right? So the trans it's like a V8 powertrain backwards. So the transmission sticks out in front with half shafts sticking out. Um, and the way that you operate the transmission is a, like an electrical connection from the little stock on the side of the, that sticks off the side of the steering column. And that sends an electrical signal way up past the engine to the transmission up front. And then that, when you depress the clutch, that completes a circuit. And then there's a, there's a hydraulic like ram up in the front that changes the. So you've just described the exact process that like a 99, 360 gearbox goes through, right? Totally. And length of time. <laughs> totally. At least Cord had a reason for doing it. Yeah. See, I've never driven a pre-selector, but you have to, I mean, if you're, I guess you're not like hammering into the corners, but you just got to remember what gear you've pre-selected when you let the clutch out and you, you know, require a bit more concentration in driving new cars, but, uh, you're probably talking about Kotals, right? Kotals from your racing days. Uh, I, I wish I could. I could say uh, uh, factually that I've raced a, a pre-war car with a pre-selector gearbox, Kotal or otherwise, but uh, but I have not. Um, wow, that's cool. That's cool. I, I hope you. Uh, I don't, what, what's more expensive, restoring a cord or, or having three kids in San Francisco? Oh, Jesus, man. No one's ever going to let me back on the podcast. I just realized we just went way too long on ACD cars. Um, they're both uh, expensive. Uh, the Cord's actually, you know what? Honestly, it's not that bad. Um, it's not a super duper complicated car, and it's a well support because of the club and because so many people have been obsessed with them for so long. It's a it's a car that's well supported, right? You can get 
almost everything new still for it. There's a couple, there's two different parts suppliers for cords. Um, one of them is, you know, Glenn Prey's old operation, right? They bought all the stuff from mm. cord. Mm. That's a Auburn Cord Duesenberg company. Yep. Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what's happening in Broken Arrow. Totally. Um, so yeah, we've, uh, we've had some pretty neat cars on the site in the last, uh, week or so. Uh, actually my favorite is all skew Americans or Duesenberg is a good, a good place to start. Uh, I wasn't a muscle car guy when I started here, but I'm kind of starting to kind of starting to feel some of the good sixties and seventies stuff. Uh, most recently we had a car that ended, uh, today, which will probably be last week by the time this airs, but uh 70 plymouth superbird uh just so iconic this you know was quintessential orange big wing uh no reserve so kudos to that seller and, and had a great result um car i really like we had a 68 roadrunner hemi four speed mm. black with steelies and hubcaps i just thought it looked so badass uh, you know, with all this American stuff, one year can make such a difference and, you know, whether you love it or, or don't love it so much, but yeah, 68, 69 roadrunners. Definitely I, I agree that the value proposition around 40 grand for American muscle compared to contemporary European sports cars, it's like 40 grand, 68 Chevelle four speed versus kind of like a scruffy nine twelve. It's, it's pretty incredible value and an experience. I think that is arguably superior in a lot of ways. Uh, I agree. Some of those American cars of that year, like the interiors are like so horrible. I know, I know. Uh, maybe some people wouldn't, won't agree with that, which is totally fine. Uh, if there's, I wasn't around in 68 driving them around. So if I was and you know, necking in the back seat, I probably would, uh, uh, would look at it more fondly, but, but, uh, that can be forgiven. I think, uh, yeah, no, we, we've listed some cool stuff. I was uh, just uh, texting a buddy today about the gold uh, AMX, 390 AMX four oh, speed on the site. Goal. I've always liked AMXs. We've uh, listed a, a ton of awesome AMXs. I they're, think they're, they're so cool. They're kind of weird looking. I've always heard the interiors are shitty on those too. And I for 30, 35K, what, totally. what more has more curb appeal than totally. that? Totally. They're super duper cool. Um, and that's who's selling that, Zach? That's one of our repeat sellers. Uh, that's, Bill, that's our buddy, Bill Noon in San it's Diego. Bill Noon, that's right. I was surprised uh, to see Bill Noon with a muscle car. I don't know if I've ever seen Is that, that live now? Yeah, we were emailing. It's live right now, I it think. Is. Wow. That's it's, so great. it's cool. It's no reserve. It's awesome looking. I've always liked those a lot. Um, and there was one of my favorite cars during the pandemic was a, a black GTX that was kind of had kind of a rusty roof and it was just nice. all black and evil and kind of like a, almost like a looked like something that belonged in like a period movie, you know, something you would see chasing the hero's car, um, you know, four speed, big displacement. I love that kind of stuff too. I'm totally with you. Yeah. Don't sleep on GTX 440s. It looks just like a 427, but at half the, totally. half the price. And I'm, by 427, I mean 426. <laughs> <laughs> I think this was a 440. I'm going to look it up because I can't remember I'm sure exactly it was. what it was. Another thing I like me and, uh, which reminded me of this funny, me and Randy were at some, some deal a few years back and some, some guy was talking to us and, uh, he was into what he was calling adventure vehicles and, and, you know, cars decked out with kind of Westphalia style, but any number of, uh, specifically vans, if I recall him correctly. And, you know, go anywhere stuff. You can live in it for, for 10 days. And he kind of made the point that, you know, adventure, adventure vans, you know, Howard and Randy are, are big and, you know, it's frankly a market that BAT has totally missed. Um, 
And so we had a, we had an 88 Dodge Diplomat police car oh, recently that, that sold it. this week. Yeah, um, dude. So we've missed adventure vans, but we're going to make up for it because we don't want to miss vintage police cruisers. I think that uh, is interesting. This was like, it was a little later than Smokey and the Bandit era, but um, I don't know, that body style of Diplomat and everything else that was brand engineered around it probably goes back to early 80s. Uh, this was so sweet. Uh, I think everyone has a, you know, we're from California. So the CHP livery speaks totally. to us. If you're from Michigan, if you're from South Dakota, you know, your cruisers, your trooper squad cars, everyone <laughs> out there knows what their, what their, uh, you know, state rigs are and, and uh, what you identify with. But this one was extra cool. Came with some memorabilia, memorabilia package, uh, a CHP uniform, oh, awesome. uh, an 80s Falcon radar gun. Awesome. Uh, this guy really did it right. I mean, he the car was the car was 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 what it was. Halloween but... 2021 is going to be ridiculous. Oh man! Guy. Did Chippies ever wear the like state trooper hats? That's the one thing I'm missing. They totally did. They did. Okay, yeah. it would have had to have been back in the day. It's been a while. I feel like I haven't seen that. Crisp, crisp hats. Totally, so good. Yeah, like a, like a cross between like a cowboy hat and like a top hat. Right. Totally. Yeah. Very intimidating, especially over a mustache and some aviators. Here's that GTX. It was a 426 Hemi, so I nice, makes it even more awesome. 67. Okay, yeah, the 67 has got it's got its own little styling cues. I mean, come on, yeah, 426 for 40 grand. That's pretty ridiculous. I mean, baller. A little bit. You're a little bit like one of the NASA mission control guys, and you're like white shirts, you know, short sleeve shirt, button up shirt with your black tie, but you're also, you know. Melting down the 185s with your 426 Hemi. I love it. Uh, did that car sell? Yeah, 42 grand. I think that's amazing. I mean, right? Like, that's like, it was, it was you a, can't even get a 912 for that with 100 horsepower, you know? Sorry, convertible or? or it's a coupe. Coupe. Don't they call it a two-door hard top? I believe they do. I think you're probably right. Yeah, nice. Uh, and I like the wheel pa- wheel tire package on it. Come on. Yeah. I think oh. I'm still 67 GTO or GTX, Ooh. though. I'm sorry, guys. Can't go wrong with that. Can't go wrong with that at all. The GTOs, they just look they look so tame in person that I respect it so much. It's so unassuming. That's what I like about yeah. it. Yeah. I think that mid-60s Mopar styling is probably... Other than maybe an early Mustang, like the first Mustang fastback, that's probably my favorite muscle car look. Yeah, I agree. On uh, the other end of the spectrum, yeah, go on. I was going to ask you if you've ever been to the Highway Patrol Museum. I always hear good things about that. And they apparently have like all the wild cars that they drove, right? There was some, my dad told me that he went, and my dad was a retired judge, uh, and he said that he went 150 miles an hour on the I-14 in the 70s in something. Well, let us not forget had. CHP used to drive Camaro z 28s they did. This is before this. It was in the 70s, something that had a 440 wedge in it. Uh, I don't know what that would have been, but something. I, they had a Polar. They had a couple things with the Polar. Yeah. They had a Polar yeah. with a big motor in it, maybe for one or two years. Yeah, Coronet. And he said maybe. a guy took about what, CHP, uniform CHP officer, and they went 150 miles an hour on I 14 out in the desert by Lancaster. Wow. In the 70s. That probably feels like 250 oh miles God. an hour in that Can car. Can you imagine? No, thank you. I mean, maybe, actually, maybe, yes, please. Where is that? The, the museum I immediately thought of, which is definitely not that museum, is in Taft or McKittrick. Whoa. I think maybe it's like a central uh, California oil museum. Anyways, where's CHP Museum? I'm sure it's in Sacramento. I'm sure it's in Sacramento. There's yeah. a bit, there was a Leno feature on that. The head of the CHP, the colonel or whatever, you know, in his full dress uniform went on and brought some, brought some uh, CHP cars over to Jay. Yeah, hey, I mean, eleven ninety nine Foundation's got a lot of cash flowing through, oh, yeah. so that's uh, oh, that's, that's right. keeping it keeping the museum yeah. exhibits going. Yeah, 
I'm sure Mr. Leto not getting too many tickets. <laughs> uh, the other car I like this week on the other end of the spectrum, we had that uh, Fiat Panda 4x4. Oh, I missed that. You guys are like, you missed it. it. You know what? If you blinked, you would have missed it. Uh, my brother was actually digging that. He was texting me like, should we bid on this thing? Should I bid on this thing? I love it so much. Let's park it next to our- Was here in the US? Somebody brought it to the US? It was in the US. I think it was like the Country Club country Edition. Country Club, look at yeah, that. I don't know what you go with the Country Club Edition. Maybe you get like, uh, I don't know, some fabric around the seat frames or something, but um, I'm way into them, man. That was cool. I think yeah. those I think those can, big market call on the, on the pod. I think those could be, those could be coming up next. <laughs> I'm right, I love it, Howard. Good, yeah. good pod prediction. I think they only made about five and a half million of them. Totally. Uh, that's actually a good segue. I want to get Zach's take on the Moto Combo madness. We've pivoted into the esoterica here. So I've seen a lot of Moto Compos uh, popping up recently. I've seen some wild prices. I need two things from you, Zach. I need the Moto Compo schooling. They came in some kind of a K car or something, didn't they? City Turbo. City go. Turbo if you're a rich guy, but yeah, normal city. And has the value normal. of a Moto Compo now exceeded the value of a Honda City? Well, <laughs> what's, right. what's number two? That's right. right. No, well, I mean, it's I mean, an exponential value add if you have the <laughs> that's two. I'm curious about that. Uh, you couldn't, I don't think you couldn't get them separate, right? Uh, I think you might have been able to buy a Moto Compo. Nobody quote me on that. But but then just why the, I mean, I, I get why they're exciting. They're sick. They're really awesome every time i've seen one in person i'm like blown away but like why the why the insanity for so my my, th my theory is as the world opens up more and more and more people are getting back to work in their urban commutes what other scooter can you unscrew the handlebars and seat and then secure your parking spot out in the outer sunset and then moto in to the financial district where so your like, office is you think right? people are going to use them for that like, uh, i'm being entirely sarcastic <laughs> Uh, but right, right, maybe right. I would love to. I I only say that because the thought has legitimately crossed my mind that there's all day parking about a mile from here, and you can almost shove a Moto Compo in the trunk of an NSX, <laughs> as I learned at JCCS one year, and to nab a free spot in SF and just motor in on that is like, what better life is that? Wait, so what's been happening, Alex? We've listed a few, and they've they've brought big bucks or what? Eight grand, ten grand? Is that right, Zach? Maybe eleven grand. Yeah, I think we had one. Um, going to the results now. Ten five is currently the highest of a single Moto Compo. But man, they're so charming. They nail the '80s graphics. It's it's good toy money in that that sort of segment. If you're a guy that's shopping, I guess. A grom and a half, and you want to feel way cooler in the pits with your Moto Compo. I mean, and you can unscrew the seat and bars and shove it in a, a car with a reasonable trunk. It's yeah. pretty legit. And you could buy like two and a half Subaru SVXs for that. <laughs> Howard, Howard, always the apologist for the SVX. I'm actually a huge SVX. I'm pretty sure the steering column of that car is more expensive than the car, though. Talk about a car you that you can actually go 140 miles an hour in. Super SBX. Well, you have one, and I know because I rode it. It's the only one I've ever been in. I, I remember when that car was, when they reviewed that car in Rome Track and how fired up I was, uh, except I was bummed out there was no manual transmission. But Seatbelt presenters, man. That's all you need. I also shop SBXs hard when I was looking for my first car when I was in high school. There you they were, go. They were high on my radar. Yeah, they're cool as hell. Oh, yeah. I could see that for you. Thanks. That's <laughs> both a compliment and an insult. But you know the, those things with how the windshield glass is. If you get your window broken, not not that you would have gotten the window broken, but yeah. uh, like you get like you get your SVX windshield broken now. Like the car is kind of totaled. Totaled. Right? Yeah. 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 Who are, like SafeFlight doesn't come out and offer an SVX glass package. Totally. Did you drive that car a lot? I personally probably drove it a thousand miles. Hmm. 
Maybe more. I mean, you can't roll it with the window down, really. So does that like affect the kind of cruisability of an SVX? Uh, I mean, I think you mean even when the window is down, it, it it's so not like little, it, little it provides little. no airflow at right. all. Right, yeah. right, right. So it's yeah, it's, it's a greenhouse. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that car is like three fingers on the steering wheel max. That's awesome. Yeah. And it like I remember you like got on it. It moved pretty good. It's like two hundred and fifty horsepower, flat six, I think. Something like that. Uh, yeah. Two thirty in there. Three point three yeah. liter in there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, SPX is a cool car. Not a lot of flat sixes around. You can get a front wheel, front driver, and AWD, right? Correct. Yeah. Oh, really? I thought they were all all wheel drive. Uh, Ours was all wheel. Nice. I think LSI was the top trim package, but they're well up. The seats are like Barca loungers. Yeah, it was. I I I thought it was great. You know, actually, in hindsight, Zach, a little bit of NSX vibe. You kind of sit low, you sit back, low dash. I like that era. It's it's in the meat of '90s Japanese luxury. Totally. Totally. No, it's kind of the poor man's poor man's NSX a little bit. Poor man's Unos. I mean, oh, I was gonna drop a Unos full. You beat me to it. <laughs> but oh. They were expensive when they sold new, right? I feel an SVX was like, I don't know how much. I got to look that up. I'd be curious about that. I bet there. It was not a cheap car. Thirty-five, forty grand, something like that. It was. It was okay. High style Japanese luxury. LSI AWD, the one you want. Original MSRP. 36, 245. 36 in 1994 or whatever. Yes. So yeah, that was a 50, 60K car. Yeah, man. I mean, but I'm still a believer in buying something that is weird and that you don't see all the time. I think there's value in that. So I like the idea of it, right? I do too. It's what? It's a spiritual predecessor to like the new Lexus LC thing. Maybe when you see a young guy in totally. a new Supra, that's, totally. that's the SVX we're at. What are you cross-shopping when you're buying uh, an SVX? FDR7, and you say it's too harsh. It's too sporty. It's I need to dial it back. My heart rate's too high. Right. No Unos in the U.S. Automatic Supra, that. maybe non-turbo. Interesting. Maybe like a 96 Impala SS. If Ooh, you're, if you're really, I mean, cross-shopping, you're really widening your uh, What do you think in your reach? What, a, what was a E320 coupe? What do you think that was? was that, is that too many levels above, like an E-class coupe? Uh, yeah, that's W124 yeah, coupe. Yeah, that's probably in there. There's no, let's see, there's no 6 Series anymore. Is there any big BMW coupe? Probably not. There's the And there may be an overlap here with the Riata in there. Ooh. Uh, maybe, yeah. Alante? Alante is dead by then probably, right? Maybe Audi S6 back in the day. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, all-wheel drive. Both of those are interesting. They're probably, yeah, 95 Audi S6 and 95 SVX are probably both worth the exact same amount today. Saw an S6 at Cars and Coffee. It's a bunch of S6 owners crying right now. Dude, <laughs> S6s are cool. Like I like from a distance, I was like, is that an RS2? I mean, it looked They hot. look great. Yeah, yeah they it look looks fantastic. Great. Avis wheels, it looked cool. Was that on? So yes, we've, uh, Zach was on a, uh, Zach was on a cool car rally. Can we, are we that, a nice segue. That was a messy, that was an ugly segue. Howard's getting yeah. visually nauseous <laughs> talking about SVXs, anything to shoot on this topic. <laughs> I did it at 8 a.m. Uh, teeth cleaning this morning. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we can talk about rallies. I Yeah, we've, we've gone too deep on the SVX front, probably. Cross-shopping um, SVX. That, that wasn't on the docket for today. So, uh, sorry. You know, I, I, this is what this is all about. I've driven us pretty far afield. No, no. People come on this day. They apologize for, for going too far afield. But that's what that's what, that's what what we're here for. Yeah, yeah. Howard, thanks for bringing us back to center, buddy. Well, actually, that's actually a good, like, maybe like a repeat topic. Like, what... Pick a car, and what else was you know? What else could you have could you have purchased if you were in the market? What were you cross shopping? And then we also need to watch old Motor Week reviews yes. and talk over them. Oh yeah, that's research. <laughs> I've been getting down some research. John Davis late at night yeah, after man. work. 
John Davis. I was going to say young John Davis. Not really young John Davis. Young he doesn't age. Whether he it's really 1985 doesn't. or the like more modern ones, he looks the same. I, wanted to, I was looking up RS3 Audis the other day, and there's John Davis yeah. whipping an RS3. I'm like, How hell do yeah, How preserve dude. those vocal cords? <laughs> so, I need to know that secret. Yes. His voice is just as it's, – it's amazing. Um, it's uh, He's great. So, okay, you want to talk about old cars? So, no, I mean, I've been in New York for the last two months doing literally zero car activities. Meanwhile, you guys have been out here doing uh, doing stuff. So, hey, you did, you did the Fault Line 500, which uh, for people who aren't from California is uh, an annual summer event uh, on the California Central Coast. It's always 120 degrees and people are lining up to hop in their – old cars and drive around for a weekend. So yes. yeah, tell us about that. Yes, Jack. the start line is at Hollister, California, which is uh, much less sexy than the t-shirt company would let on. Uh, it's it's a little bit. There's an in and out there. Uh, hey, yeah, good pull. Gateway uh, to the Pinnacles. Uh, Fault Line 500, great rally. Starts just as Howard described. It's sort of the heat, midsummer, California, six digits, all weekend long, but spits out in Morro Bay, which is nice on the coast. You get that beautiful coastal air at the end. Uh, this was an interesting year for me because I brought my lovely girlfriend of, uh, going on almost eight years here for her very first vintage car event. So welcome, babe. I know. Right. Yeah. That could entail (laughs) a lot of things. Uh, she's not the most mechanically inclined co-driver, but you know, she can help in a pinch. She can uh, provide some, uh, advice, advice and insights. So as we're driving down to the start line, the car smelled, uh, it started to smell strongly of sulfur, which is not a smell I'm familiar with in most automobiles. Wow, could you pick a less specific uh, um, a mineral that it smelled of? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't good. Yeah, well. Julia already regretting her decision. Good, yeah. She's already regretting her I'm decision. here on this podcast with you now, so it didn't smell like Zyklon B. Uh, <laughs> but, so we're getting down there. Julia's visibly annoyed at what's you know, right around 8 a.m., a little early for that scent. And I'm like, don't worry about it. It's How many miles from your front door did the sulfur smell start? Uh, sulfur smell is probably about 80 miles or so gotcha, uh, okay. because I passed it off. I said, you know what, babe, we're driving through Gilroy, California. And that's just kind of the scent of it's the true. garlic capital it's of the true. world. It's a little sulfury. Yeah. So we keep going. We soldier on. We crack the windows early in the morning. We get to Hollister. We're hanging car still smells a lot but it's fine you're at the start line you're with all your buddies start line mingling taking photos acknowledging yeah the great 66 gto that's there uh robert Lindsay, a resident expert on staff in the bat 240z uh yeah probably pile another staffer there too yeah pile and his sweet right-hand drive step nose i really like that car um it's hard for me to think of other highlights on the event because uh spoiler alert my my event part was cut a little short it didn't end well for you it it ended well (laughs) there was a painful middle section uh and some very enjoyable late night drinking in between and a lovely drive up the one but basically car car started doing some funny things electronically with some gauges stronger smell we get to the first stopping point and now we're deep in central california deep deep no cell surface zone uh you got some waters did julia at least uh, stack up on waters at the last gas stop? we did and this sounds very pretentious but fiji water is actually the best water for an old car vent because they're rectangular yeah, they don't roll so around. they don't roll oh behind your brake that's brilliant then, actually yeah yes. i know so yeah. you look like kind of an asshole carrying around a bunch of fiji waters but it's actually strategic it is 
it's artisan water for a reason. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> comes, I'm sure it comes straight from the South Pacific. Uh, <laughs> it definitely does. <laughs> so, so yeah, we, we got our Fiji water. We stop. Uh, we go. We go to start the car for the next leg. You know, photo op. Things are running a little weird, and nothing. I get I get lights, but not cranking. So thankfully on an event like this, there's nothing but expertise among the 50 odd cars and 50 odd co-drivers with them. So kind of asking around, uh, Robbie's dad wisely said, Hey, we're about two hours from Kalinga. So if you can get this bad boy started, you can just cruise in and try and get another battery, which is what we chalk this all up to. So I say, okay, great. I'm able to jump it on my jumper pack start driving probably another 20 minutes or so. And then all of a sudden people start coming the opposite direction, which is very surprising on an event like this where you have a lot of ground to cover in uh, what is not the longest day. So why else would they be driving the other direction? But to warn me that apparently I have a bad voltage regulator. And I also learned what that means. Did you know that, Alex? Uh, well, uh, spoiler alert, you called me a little bit later uh, when you were in code. Would, did, would you have known at the time? Oh, God, yeah. no. tell, tell us yeah. like the worst like WebMD bad voltage regulator. What's going to happen? Uh, I mean, like I... So let's let me just let me just interject and say Julia also didn't know what to do about a bad <laughs> voltage regulator. No, no, it's totally fine. I uh, What's interesting is Zach... Uh, we were poking around his dual battery system like right before that. And you had some kind of a electrical gremlin. The generator light was coming on or something. Mm -hmm. and so exactly right. Robert and I were trying to sound smarter than we were. Robert probably actually was being smart. I was not. We were kind of guessing. Maybe it was an alternator or whatever. But um, probably was your voltage regulator this yeah, whole time. We chalked it up to alternator issues. You were ripping around in that car just a Fine. week ago. We That's my favorite. Drive. Guys whose cars are working perfectly on side of road, shooting their mouth off, <laughs> pontificating about what broken car guys might be the problem. Yes, Meanwhile, right. they don't care. That's They're right. going to get back in their so car. You <laughs> also have to insert how much money you've just spent on your motor for your car that won't start. So I was doing a bit of that. Uh, uh, they basically said you need to turn off your car immediately before your battery explodes because that means they're getting overcharged which means they're getting very hot um, and that means i could have started the next 2021 california wildfire but thankfully uh due to the expertise on the event uh somebody had experienced the exact same issue as 914 which also shares the same voltage regulator as a 911. and you said i was just overcharged on the price of my motor rebuild so this is perfect <laughs> Over, oh, good. Good double entendre. Overcharging oh the battery, overcharging on expensive mental Totally engines. just kicking me so hard while I'm totally. down. Um, so, yeah, I was able, um, through a long, long ordeal, able to get it started again with the new voltage regulator on sort of the last breath of my NOCO. Shout out to NOCO. Everyone should have one. Those lovely little jump pack chargers. Yes. Um, great, great plug. Not a sponsor of the VAT podcast. Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to NOCO. Uh, I'm not a hard guy to find. So um, Okay. So NOCO and CHP Museum. Maybe we can get a few bucks out of those guys. <laughs> yeah. CHP, well known, well known for shelling out. We're all, all three of us are in NOCO t-shirts and CHP hats on the next one with our 1199 foundation plates and Versa. <laughs> Um, so, and then I drove the car, I be, so I was able to jump start it, pull the battery and, and run it just on the jump pack as the battery source mm. from, uh, basically middle of nowhere, literally middle of nowhere, no cell service, California, about two hours into Kalinga. And then I pulled that battery and rigged up a motorcycle battery into my battery box, which mostly fit. 
it's a fine, it's a fine temporary solution. Then cruising to Morro Bay had a great night. And the call to Alex, call to Alex. Oh yeah, I, yeah. Do you want do you want to recount that? Yeah, I I'm you know doing dishes, doing my domestic chores around my house on a nice Saturday, and uh, I get a call from Zach. I'm excited. We're gonna we're gonna share some pleasantries. Maybe maybe just do some gossiping about work. No, he's broken down. Or no, not broken down because I think you'd already put the battery in by then. The car wouldn't start in Coalinga. Was where you were at the time. Yeah, I think I flooded it in an act of yeah. desperation. Zach, he, his voice was calm, but I could tell his spirit was not calm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he, I think he'd been pumping on the throttle pedal yeah. a fair amount. Voice ro- rock solid, relationship very shaky. Totally. Yeah. Normally it's said, the other way around. I do believe I asked about Julie almost immediately. How's she doing? How's she holding up? No, no the, the king size kombucha was finished long ago and, <laughs> totally. and the Fiji waters are running low. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think we boiled off all the probiotics, probiotics <laughs> in that bed boy. Uh, was Harris Ranch a stop on, in uh, Colinga or no? No, we didn't make to Harris. I mean, we were beat. I would. I You're literally. Zone, right? I've been to that AutoZone in Koalinga before. For to buy very kind apart, people for yeah. my broken Porsche. He helped me rig up this ghetto battery solution that <laughs> basically saved my life and my relationship. So yeah, <laughs> shout out to that AutoZone for sure. Yeah. No stop there, but the drive back the next day went out totally fine. No you jetted straight to Morro Bay after Koalinga. Morro Bay, yeah, I think that story from there gets a little too PG-13. But right. next day, we drove Highway 1 all the way back up into the Bay Area. On a motorcycle battery. Yeah. Which, which is still is, in the car that you drove It's basically the like the equivalent of, because uh, the 911s have a dual battery setup, and they're basically moto-sized. It's kind of equivalent. It's not the exact same dimensions, but it's totally fine. So You, you drove the 1 after all that? I would have, like... 101. One all the way. Oh, man, Beautiful coast. And that car is here in front of the office. That's so the beauty of no electric power steering. If it dies, I can still steer to the right. But if you're in a new infinity, you're going off the cliff. That's correct. Yeah, that is correct. So one, yeah, lovely stop at Nepente. Um, well, you've had, I've been on at least two or three rallies with you, and you've done some other ones. And this is your first kind of mechanical issue, right? Yeah, it's funny. You always think on these rallies, like, I'm so glad I'm not that guy because there's always so every single year some guy that's having a brutal mechanical issue. Yeah. This year I was that guy. It's so, good. It's part of it's a rite of passage. It's yeah. part of overcoming world. adversity is is what builds character. So totally. I hear. Totally. And, and ha- was there attrition on the event where did other cars break or most people were pretty reliable? Um, yeah, there was the heat. A lot of old cars were struggling. The heat uh, record record highs. It was one ten in or one twelve in Kalinga when I was wrenching in my battery box. My shirt looked like I just did a you know two hour half marathon. <laughs> it's not a great look. Um, but yeah, yeah. I get uh, worn out on events when I watch people work on my cars too. So no, it's, yeah. it's <laughs> Zach, Zach and I did. We took my old nine twelve a couple. Of Years, God, maybe four four years ago on the mother load, and it was like 110. Mother load rallying was like 110. Mother, load, yeah, great event. Unfortunately, it doesn't end at Morro Bay. It's still 110 once you get. That's back right. To it was 110 at the hotel too. That's the yeah. downside. That is brilliant of the fault line. You yeah, know, you struggle you, through the heat, and like in those. What I love about those rallies is, um, you know, uh, even just 200 miles of fast driving on back roads in like a 60s or a 70s sports car, you really feel like you've accomplished something. I mean. It's because I'm a soft. And you feel person. like you went for, you went somewhere. Totally. Yep. You really earned that beer at the end of the day. I love that about him. But 
I haven't had a mechanical issue like that in a long time. So oh, it's easy fine. for me to be. I mean, it, it really speaks to the character of others on the event. One, that they're so willing to help and save me. Uh, and two, just the automotive knowledge that's collectively there in a parking lot like that is it's pretty incredible. Totally. So can't recommend it enough. Check those voltage regulators for uh, <laughs> <laughs> other 70s, 911, totally. and 914 owners. Yep. Respect your, your AutoZone, your AutoZone uh, uh, support staff as well. So you came out of it with a free voltage regulator, so that's good. You've, you've upgraded did, the yeah, car. I saved $13, but I spent $180 on that motorcycle battery that I'm immediately going to have to recycle to get the new, new uh, correctly sized batteries in there. There you go. Awesome, guys. Well, uh, we covered a lot of ground today. Duesenberg's Moto Compos, Zach's, Zach's Rally. That's the end of it? I think so. It goes by quick. Acknowledge the LFA. Oh, yeah, we should acknowledge the LFA and the Midnight Purple R34. Oh, which one? Uh, yeah, both of them. Back to back. One is still Pretty live, amazing. Those are amazing cars. Sorry, Probably. I actually have somewhere to be, so I'm, I'm cutting it short. Okay, so, okay. Well, can I at least congratulate <laughs> you on the podcast first? Because you've done an amazing job. I've enjoyed listening to it. And I uh, actually got a shout-out at um, – you got a shout-out at um, Berkeley Cars and Coffee this weekend. My first car event I've been doing, I think, since the pandemic started. Alex Jordan, the organizer, was like, hey, tell Howard and Randy I'm really enjoying it. Love That's it. awesome. Yeah, they still nice. the, I went to that once. They still did the same same location. Yeah. it's Oh, no. It, Zach and I went to the first one, I think, which was like actually behind a little tiny coffee house. That's the one yes. I went to. Yeah. I think yeah. you may have, maybe you were there on that first one. There was only about 20 spots. Okay. And it was like they outgrew that quickly. But now it's in front of this super cool, like uh, kind of. Bauhaus inspired office building that like the parking lot's empty on the weekend. Down by the, the tracks, place. man. Down yeah. the tracks, right by Spangers. You know, Spangers, mm. the old uh, uh, fish and chip spot there. Yeah. Uh, right under University Overpass. Uh, the old fraternity date night spot for uh, end of year date night party. Totally. Totally. And it was great. I mean, there was amazing stuff. Sprint Speciale. There was. The uh, turnout looked ridiculous. I was looking through it all. Yeah. It was like really, really, really cool. Um, a really good mix and really fun. Anyway. Alex Jordan, big fan as am I. So awesome. Well, well, thank you, Alex. You were you were awesome. I would love, like I said, I don't, I don't know why we waited this long. Uh, now that you're back in the office, things are opening back up. You're gonna be uh, you're gonna be a mainstay here. Love it. You're the next uh, BAT Pod stalwart. So I hope you're ready for that. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with with another installment. Mm-hmm.